Good morning. We're going to read from Matthew chapter 1 this morning, and we've been looking at the gospel from Luke the last two Sundays, and now we turn toward Matthew, verses 18 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus." because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Let's pray for a moment. Father God, we look forward to all the celebrations that are just around the corner. Some of those celebrations will be with family. Some of us will travel for those days. Some of those will be with friends or, or just quietly with a small gathering. But we ask that you will draw our thoughts to probe the wonder of what you have done in sending your son into this world. We know the story. We, we know the words but I I pray that you will fill us with a sense of wonder and of gratitude that you valued people like us so much that your very own son was sent into this world to take on human life and to become one of us forevermore, not just for those years that he walked this planet. Thank you that one day you're going to make us like Jesus and that you're in that process of shaping us and remolding us You're working in our hearts, you're working in our minds. And I ask that through this season, you would use that sense of wonder to further that process. And so, God, we ask that you'd continue to allow us to think like Jesus, to act like Jesus. Give us the heart of Jesus, to be able to look at other people through his eyes and see what he sees and care the way that he cares. We ask that you'd give us the courage of David, the wisdom of Solomon, and the heart of Jesus. Guide us this morning as we look into your word. Make it come alive and be real to us in his name. Amen. If you and I are really honest, we will admit that we have a love-hate relationship with the signs of Christmas. Now, let me explain that. This year, stores were filled with Christmas trappings and Christmas decorations the day after Halloween. Did you notice that? In some stores, it started even before Halloween happened. Some of us have a hard time seeing all this stuff roll out even before the Thanksgiving turkey has been carved. Sue and I have developed this bad habit of noticing the first homes where they put up Christmas trees and and lights. Uh, Now, don't get me wrong, I I love driving down Main Street in Hingham or River Street in Norwell or some of the other streets that are really all decked out and just beautiful to see. But I can't help but notice 
that one home that seems to leave up its Christmas lights all year long. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry if that was you. <laughs> I know I offended you right now. And then as we get closer and closer to Christmas, I'm more and more ready for the signs of Christmas, and they seem to pop up a little bit more each day. It's been fun to travel down North River's driveway and see the place all lit up with the light display that several of you worked to dream up and to put together. I love hearing the comments from some of the Bright Horizons parents who, who come to pick up their kids at the end of the day, and as they, they drive up here and they see the lights, I actually watch them slow down on the driveway and to take it all in. And once in a while, they'll say something to me as I'm coming out at the end of the day. I think the person who had the most fun of all with the Christmas lights is actually the guy who put this team together and was very involved at every stage of the process, our own Christmas Todd. I am, I am a permanently designated Todd. We have vacation Todd that we joke about sometimes, but this year it was Christmas Todd who took over, and he did a great job. Tell him that. He, he's probably out in the, in the lobby. Now, here's the reason for drawing your attention to these signs of Christmas. Today, we're in part three of our Christmas Promises series, and we're probing and celebrating some of the key promises that come to us through the classic gospel accounts of the arrival of Jesus. And this morning's message brings us to some of the signs of Christmas that were unveiled by an angel of the Lord to Mary's fiancé, Joseph. Our topic today is a name and a title. This is largely what the angel delivered to Joseph, a name and a title that would both apply to Jesus. And the question that I have running behind this message is this, what hope is there for people who struggle to embrace Jesus' nativity? In other words, the whole scene of Jesus' birth and the, the whole story. Some may even ask, is this a, even a necessary part of Christmas? I want to tell you, it's absolutely essential. So this morning, we're going to focus on that thought, a name and a title, and why they belong together. Here's the first thought that I have for this morning. Joseph, when we discover him in the gospel accounts of Matthew, Joseph had a problem or a dilemma. We might call this the problem of Christmas. Verse 18 says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, here's the problem. Pledged to be married before they came together, she was found to be pregnant with the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. In case anybody missed this, Joseph initially didn't believe what Mary told him. That's what Matthew is implying. This is not an insult on Joseph, this is not a, a knock on Joseph. But no one had ever heard a story quite like this one before. Some people today have a, a hard time with the whole narrative about the virgin birth of Jesus, even though we've read these accounts and we celebrate the miracle of Jesus every year. And here we see that Joseph was racked with doubt too. If you're one of those who has a hard time processing or you're listening to this online and, and you have a hard time with this part of Jesus, you like, you like the trappings of Christmas, you like all the signs and the celebration and the bells and whistles of Christmas, but the notion of God's son being born to a virgin really troubles you, you're in good company because that's where Joseph starts the story. That is the context of Matthew's introduction to the gospel of Christmas. 
Now, how do we know that Joseph was racked with doubt too? Well, Matthew tells us a few important details. First, that Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. This was a formal betrothal period that would often last a year in Jewish culture of that time, and it preceded marriage. In other words, they weren't supposed to sleep together during that time. And so Matthew tells us they had not yet come together. Betrothal in that era was very different from the way many people do it today. Uh, No sex, no living together, none of that. It was a year of preparation for the wedding, for the celebration, for life together. And it was kind of a contractual agreement between two families with promises made and, and words spoken. And now the news comes to Joseph like a bolt from the sky that Mary is pregnant. Joseph did not see this coming at all. Then Matthew adds the detail that could only have come from Mary. The child was from the Holy Spirit. Again, this has never happened before. This is, this is new. This is breathtaking. How could Joseph know that this is true? We know from Luke chapter 1 that this is what the angel of the Lord had foretold would happen. He told Mary that she was going to give birth to a child and that this would be God's son. But now Mary had to do the difficult thing. She had to break the news to Joseph. I find it interesting that we don't have any record of that conversation. But it makes me wonder, how did that go? This is the unique perspective of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all clearly declare from the outset that Jesus was God's son through the Holy Spirit. All four of them completely in agreement. There were no Christmas cards or artworks at the Louvre to help Joseph process this scene that was playing out around him. The reality was Mary was pregnant and she told him the child was from the Holy Spirit. And so he was considering his options. One of those options was to divorce Mary, which meant breaking the formal betrothal. And this was a legal transaction. This would fracture friendships and, and relationships for the rest of their lives. And it would put Mary on a very difficult track because it would place blame and shame on Mary within that culture. And the problem was that the man, if he was to break the betrothal, had to have a very good reason to break such a formal contract as this. If Mary had broken the betrothal by having sex with another man, then she would be publicly disgraced. This is the dilemma that Joseph was facing. And she was telling him that she had not. And he loved her. But at the same time, he was struggling to believe what she had told him. This is why Matthew tells us that Joseph was contemplating, trying to find a way to divorce her privately, quietly, perhaps quickly. Perhaps some in the room who are watching online today struggle with this part of the Christmas story as well. Now here's the problem. We can't recreate this scenario. We can't put it into a a test tube or a laboratory and, and somehow reinvent or reenact this whole scene. We can't exactly determine what the Holy Spirit has done and how this was brought about, and neither could Joseph. His dilemma was to believe what Mary told him or not. 
I find that Joseph's struggle brings a, a real-world realism to how we process Christmas. And how many people struggle with trying to put a story together that doesn't match anybody else's story. Joseph had a problem. Here's a second observation from this account in Matthew's gospel. First he had the problem, but then came a dream, and with the dream came a name. Verses 20 and 21, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son And you are going to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So here's Joseph. He's contemplating divorce. And while he's contemplating, an angel appears to him in a dream. While this method of divine communication may seem odd to you and me today, it was not uncommon for God to impart a message or some body of information to an individual through a dream. Think of just some of the dream scenarios that have come through the Scriptures. He sent angels to talk with Abram. He gave Joseph, the patriarch, a dream of angels descending and ascending, coming down from heaven and back to heaven. This was not just so that Led Zeppelin could sing about the stairway to heaven. There was a message behind that. Job, Joshua, Gideon, Elisha, and Daniel all had encounters with dreams as well. This first piece of information from the angel confirmed what Mary had been told. The first thing that the angel tells Joseph is that Mary's child was from the Holy Spirit. And he tells Joseph not to be afraid to bring her home as his wife. In other words, to quickly end the betrothal period and to make this a real marriage and and to complete it. The second piece of information focused on the child's name and his purpose. Joseph was given the assignment of naming the boy that was not his own physical child, Jesus. The name Jesus comes from a Hebrew word that means God saves or the salvation of God. And so everywhere he would go, for those who understood uh, the, the background of Hebrew names, that's what Jesus' name was proclaiming. Here goes the salvation of God. And then came this purpose that Jesus would save his people from their sins. Joseph now knew this assigned name, something that not even Mary knew. But think of this, you know, Joseph now knew something that not even Mary knew, what the child's name was going to be. The angel gives him something that's very unique. What's also unique about the story at this point is that nobody else knew the name of this child. All the scriptures at this point uh, in the Old Testament would have called him the Messiah. The Messiah is going to come. That's a title. But Joseph is the first one to know that his name would be Jesus. If you're new to this or coming back to church after a long time, you may wonder, why do we make such a big deal about the name of Jesus? Why do we sing some songs that glorify the name of Jesus over and over again? For instance, a moment ago we sang, what a beautiful name it is, the name of of Jesus Christ our King. Uh, When we were planning Uh, initially for this service, that was going to be the song at the end of the service. And Dave Bailey was running through the list of songs and he said, you know, do you think we have this in the right place? I said, no, we don't. Put that one right before the message because we're going to be talking about the name of Jesus. Let's let's sing about Jesus and and have that filter into the message. Let's end on that note. So that's the song that's ringing in our ears this morning. 
Why do we do that? It's not that the name of Jesus is more melodic or, or better sounding than all other names. We sing these words out of awe that God sent his very own son, and then he gave him a name that testifies to the role that he would play. We sing this way because of how Jesus lived, how he died, because of who he was, because of how he loved us. We sing about Jesus because he is God's very own son, and one day he's the king that we will all bow to. The name of Jesus is wonderful to us once we fully realize what he saves us from. So the woman who has experienced the deep love and grace of Jesus sings, what a wonderful name it is. And the man who's experienced freedom from destructive habits or or patterns, who, who now can see that Jesus gives us a new purpose for living, sings, what a wonderful name this is. So the teen who has felt the presence and love of Jesus sings from the heart, What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. Every once in a while, there are songs that come up that capture the heart, that come from people who have fallen in love with Jesus. A generation ago, Gloria Gaither wrote a song that kind of captures that, that whole thought. Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that name. Do you know that song? Would you sing it with me? Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that name. Here's the big idea for this morning. Christmas is God's wake-up call, showing us that He has heard our cry and has sent Jesus, the Savior of all who put their faith in Him and who follow. Jesus not only came with a name, But Jesus came with a title. Verse 22 says, All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So think of this. Before the name could settle in, as Joseph is hearing the words from this angel of the Lord, which means a a direct messenger from the Lord, in the midst of a dream, the angel also announces a title that would apply to Jesus. The title is Emmanuel. And then Matthew gives us the interpretation of that word, Emmanuel, God with us. Now sometimes you'll find Emmanuel written with an I at the beginning, sometimes with an E at the beginning. The only difference is which language they're quoting from, whether it's from Hebrew, which is the I Emmanuel, or whether it's from Greek, the E Emmanuel, because they transliterated that word into the Greek language, but they spelt it in a way that was authentic to that language. Why would the Holy Spirit be involved? That was the question that might have been in Joseph's mind. The reason was this was God's very own son who'd come through Mary. And you can almost hear the clues starting to click together in Joseph's mind as he's taking this information in through the dream. 
This child was brought about by the Holy Spirit. Check, that's the first thing. That, that squares with what Mary had been told. And then he's told that he's going to give the name Jesus to the child, which means that he's the Savior from God, the one we've been waiting for. But then the third detail that clicks in is this title, Emmanuel, God with us. And then there's this prophetic quote from Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. It comes from Isaiah 7, 14. The impact of quoting Isaiah would show Joseph that God had planned this long ago, that it wasn't just some deviation from the plan. This was a prophetic statement, and that prophetic statement had a dual application. There was one application, it meant something in Isaiah's time, it had to do with one of the kings and a child that was being born, telling Isaiah that God was really coming through and what he promised in that day, 600 years before the time of Christ. But now, the angel is revealing that there's a hidden meaning in that verse, in that prophecy from Isaiah 7:14, that God was doing something even more dramatic by bringing his son through Mary. Have you as a Christian ever been asked by your friends, what is Christmas really all about? Some people focus on the gift-giving among friends or family. That's wonderful, but that's not the essence of Christmas. Some people are moved by the season of compassion and giving, and that's, that's wonderful and it's moving, but that's not it either. Some people are drawn to the universal wish for peace on earth, but that's still not it. That's a byproduct of Christmas. It is the title that tells us what Christmas is all about. God is with us in the person and the presence of Jesus. That's it. 600 years before the time of Jesus, Isaiah the prophet uttered a cry for the ages. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. In other words, the prophet of God was saying, oh, that you would split the heavens and come down and and understand what it's like to live here on this earth. We want to see you face to face. We want to know you and we want you to know us. It's almost as if Isaiah was uttering that cry for all humanity. It's hard for us to go through this life and we wish that we had God right here to answer our questions. And Christmas tells us that at one specific point in time, God not only heard that prayer, but he acted on it. And he did the very thing that people were crying for. And God came down and became a part of life in the person of Jesus. Christmas was God's answer to Isaiah's cry on behalf of all of us. God had heard and God had answered that cry. He answered quietly, taking the risk that his own son would enter a hostile world. Hostile with a king, Herod, who wanted to kill him. Hostile with religious leaders who wanted to hold on to power and ultimately would put him on that cross. Hostile with people who love darkness more than light. That's the context that John starts with in his gospel. Do we all fully understand this? The gifts and the shopping and decorations are wonderful, but they are not what Christmas is all about. Santa Claus has a place based on the real story of Nicholas of Tyra, who was a bishop in the early church and a very generous leader. His legend grew and changed over the years, but as wonderful as all that is, it's still not the heart of Christmas. Through Jesus, God is with us. And God is present 
in the life and heart of everyone who comes to God through faith in Jesus. God dwells with his people. And Joseph is the first one to be given all of these details and to start to process them and to put the pieces together in order to understand what God was doing. That through Jesus, God is with us forevermore, that forevermore God dwells in the midst of his own. So from that day forward, and in this day too, if you know Jesus, you know God. Wherever we see Jesus at work, we see God. Even on the cross, God was with us. So Joseph woke up and acted in faith. I love the way verse 24 starts. When Joseph woke up. I think that's talking about waking up from the dream, but I think it's also telling us that he woke up and all of a sudden the world had changed by the time he woke up. up. It's almost as if the Bible is saying to us, hey, it's Christmas, wake up and understand what this is declaring to us. Wake up, North River, this is Christmas. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until he gave birth. she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. I love those first four words of verse 24, when Joseph woke up. He woke up from the dream and all of this had come together in his mind. And in that moment, he knew what Christmas was about, even though Christmas is still unfolding for him. And when he knew, he moved ahead and he acted in faith. He took Mary home as his wife. He didn't sleep with her until after the child was born. That is an important detail. He gave the boy the name Jesus in obedience to the instructions that he was given. That's an important detail too because it tells us that Joseph not only understood, but he embraced the message that he'd been given. He could have named that boy anything he wanted. Matthew or Levi or Joseph Jr. or something else, but he gave him the name Jesus. Now, if God was going to do something big, wouldn't you expect that there'd be some kind of announcement that somebody would hear? On the one hand, God does it quietly in a small corner of the world because of the risk involved. But on the other hand, He sends an angel to deliver the message to Joseph. Joseph is almost the forgotten member of the Christmas story because Joseph disappears somewhere soon after. We don't hear a whole lot about Joseph as Jesus is growing up once they come back from Egypt. But Joseph is pivotal to the story because Joseph is the one who was able to process all these details, put them together, and he gives the boy the name Jesus. And until that time, we didn't have that name. God sent one of his messengers, an angel, to make sure that Joseph had all that he needed at just the right time, not before, at just the right moment, when he was wrestling with those doubts. By taking Mary as his wife, by naming Jesus, Joseph put his faith in God's plan into action. And in effect, Joseph pays the way paves the way for our faith today. For in the Gospels, we are given the same information. We have the advantage of knowing the rest of the story of what happened to Jesus and the rest of his life and how that all played out. But we are called to place our faith 
in God's plan of saving people from sin through Jesus in just the same way that Joseph did. I find that Christmas is often a time when people wake up to what God has done. They go beyond going through the motions of Christmas to thinking deeply about why God did what he did. And I find it's interesting to see here in this passage that through a dream, the Lord gave Joseph all that he needed to know in order to move him into action. And so Joseph does everything that God expected. He takes Mary home. He makes her his wife. He names the child Jesus. He would protect young Jesus until he was ready to take on his role as a man. In a sense, Joseph was outnumbered. He's got God the Father, the Holy Spirit, Jesus on his way, and an angel announcing the dream. And he says, I get it, I get it, I'm in. And with each action, Joseph was embracing God's salvation plan through Jesus. So here's what we've been saying. Christmas is God's wake-up call, showing us that he has heard our cry and that he has sent Jesus, the Savior of all, who put their faith in him and who follow. This Christmas, if you decide to trust in Jesus and you haven't done that yet, you are following in the footsteps of Joseph. You're not just being hoodwinked by a pastor or a church to believe in our peculiar brand of Christianity. This is what Christmas is all about. This is the heart of Christmas. If you decide to trust in Jesus, you are following in the footsteps of Joseph. He wrestled through the dilemma and he wrestled through his, his doubts. He considered the signs of Christmas announced to him by an angel in a dream. And then he stepped out in faith to name, raise, and care for Jesus. Aren't you grateful for Joseph? I sure am. But here's the question. Is it time for you to move from knowing about the facts of Christmas to putting your faith in Jesus? There is no better time to do that than around Christmas. You can do it through a simple prayer, something like this. God above, I now believe that you sent Jesus for me. You wanted me to know you, to follow you, to trust you. I admit I'm a sinner in need of your grace. Help me to trust in Jesus and to follow him. If you open your heart and your mind to Jesus and you invite God to come into your life with his presence, take away your sin, and you pledge to follow him, he will change your life. He will connect you into an intimate relationship with Jesus for the rest of your days, and through Jesus, you will know God. And that is the greatest promise of Christmas. Christmas is God's wake-up call this year and every year, showing us that he has heard our cry, that he has sent Jesus, and that Jesus is the Savior of all who put their faith in him and follow. I hope that we are in for a wonderful week, and I really hope that there are some who are watching online today or who are in the room this morning who have their wake-up call this Christmas. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful congregation of people who meet here and all across the South Shore, and we ask that this Christmas you will allow us to have an encounter with you that is profound and that produces moments where we really stop and we set all of the busyness and all the clutter of Christmas aside in order to truly worship you and to thank you 
for doing something so amazing that you poured all of who you are as the creator God into a baby who was born in a stable. Thank you for doing this for us. And thank you for dwelling with us forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen.